0: How many have been giving Him all the glory? Amen. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Incredible. Um, 52 years ago, on October 3rd, which I know today is the first, but we won't be here on the 3rd unless you're planning on coming out on Tuesday. Most of you will be working probably. But on October 3rd, 1971... Valley Bible Church began down at Holy Ghost Hall in Pinole and um, a 27 year old man with a pregnant wife, pregnant with Rebecca Deborah was about three um, two probably two actually uh, started a work down there, opened up the building with 50 chairs from a rented Holy Ghost Hall and uh, I believe that he probably set most of those chairs up that day Uh, and there was 19 people in attendance And look what God has done in those 52 years, huh? Amen. Amen. And so, um, yeah, incredible. How many of you have been here for the last 10 years? Yeah, yeah. How about 20 years? All right. How about 40 years? And let's go 50 years. How many of you have been here for 50 years? I guess I'm the only one in the room that's been here for 50 years. Just proves if you stick around long enough, they'll let you do some things. (laughs) 52. I've been here almost all those 52 years. I I think I came the second Sunday. Uh, I wasn't there the first Sunday. I'm not one of the original 19. My Aunt Virginia is one of those, but she is not with us, and and Phil and Carolyn, the founding and emeritus pastor, uh, are in Carolina. So they're in South Carolina right now, so they couldn't be here. But um, yeah, yeah, incredible what God has done in those times. Look at these wonderful facilities he's blessed us with. We're no longer at Holy Ghost Hall, and we're no longer at the Rio Theater, which was actually the, I believe, the armpit of the world. Um, But we're not there anymore. And so what a blessing. And um, yeah, what a blessing and the church was founded on exactly what we're doing now and that is to preach the word of God and to tell the truths of the grace of the word of God and to pick a book like we're doing now uh, and go through it don't just pick out the parts you like and leave out the parts that might step on people's toes Um, we go through it verse by verse because that's what God wants to say All right, so we're going to continue to do that and hopefully in 52 more years I won't be here in 52 more years But hopefully in 52 more years, my grandkids will be able to say Valley Bible Church is still standing for those truths. And uh, if not, I want to find a different place to be anyway, if we're not going to do that. And you should too. But as long as you're here and I'm here and we keep doing what God said, he'll keep blessing this ministry. Amen? Amen. All right. So I just took about three minutes of my time that's going to go over already anyway. So let me just, let me um, do this. Let me read the passage to you and then we'll. We'll move along. Uh, wrong way to right or wrong. That's the name of the title. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm reading from an NASB version. I don't know what they have behind me. Um, I, they usually put something behind me. There we go. Okay, that might be. Yeah, that looks like it's the same. Thank you very much. Thank you to the AV department, huh? Yeah. What an incredible ministry. It's, they're like offensive linemen. You only hear their name when they're holding and they get a penalty. But they do a marvelous job up there. We appreciate them very much. Yeah. yeah. At least some of you appreciate them. <laughs> All right, let's read this. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? And the term neighbor there is really another can be used as neighbor but it's another is another way of another way of saying another all right or do you not know that the saints will judge the world if the world is judged by you are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life so if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church i say this to your shame is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren but brother goes to law with brother and that before unbelievers Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brother or brother. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? do not be deceived let me read that again do not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor the effeminate nor homosexuals nor thieves nor the covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God don't be deceived this morning people If you're living that lifestyle, don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm starting to preach before I get there. Such were some of you. Wow. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were Justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Blessed be the word of the Lord, huh? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. I pray that this morning you'll be with us as we walk through this and that you will use this puny preacher up here through the use of the Holy Spirit to say the things that you would have said to the people of Valley Bible Church and anybody else that happens to hear this. Oh, that your word would penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So far in our series, this called-out series, we have seen multiple um, believers of Corinth who were affected or infected by human philosophy doing what pleased themselves they were divided, bickering, and exceptionally immoral. We've seen that. They were divided. Oh, I followed this guy. I followed that guy. I followed that guy. They were divided up. The de- denominationalism was prevalent in that uh, time and Paul spoke against it and um, didn't work because we got a lot of denominations still. But he did speak against that. Supposed to be united. and um, But I was noticing something in this as I studied through this. And Actually, I just read through it. I read through the portion of bo- in front of this and then read a little bit behind what my passage actually is which is kind of typical of what we do when we study and uh you know pastor tim and pastor todd just covered chapter five with the immorality of uh of the individuals where we had a, a son sleeping with his stepmother incestuous relationship and then that was uh, tim's passage that he got the pleasure of dealing with and then um we walked into Todd talking about what you do with that immoral brother. So a little bit of immorality there. And then I looked after this passage that we're doing this morning and we go into more immorality, the more lusting, more more sexual sin. When we talk and we're gonna, and, and Tim gets that one next week. He'll be here doing that. Uh, when we talk about the prostitution that was prevalent in that society within the church, actually. They were so pagan that they actually, you could go and, you could go to church and get a temple prostitute it's very interesting i'll leave that for tim to talk about but a lot of immorality and lust a lot of things like that going on and then in the middle of that though we inject this wrong way to right a wrong this taking lawsuits going before courts and, and and i i thought why why is it like that it seems odd to me like we're talking about, I mean, did we just need a break to talk from talking about immorality and lust? I'm going to give you a little break and we'll put this in there. No, what is lust? Does anybody know what lust is? It's, it's desiring something. It's all lust. Lust is another word for desire, a strong, deep desire. When we hear the word lust, we always think of sex. Because Americans are driven by sex, it seems like. all right, And it seems to be a very prevalent thing in our society. But the word lust does not necessarily mean sex every time, although in our passages before and after this, he is talking about sex. But that word lust is just a strong desire. And as I thought about it, and then looked it up in commentaries and found out I was uh, on the right track, it was very interesting that to take someone to court to do a lawsuit against them, what is that? That is very much the same thing as this other area. You desire that they uphold your rights. You want what you want, so you're willing to take a brother to court, to an unbelieving court. That's interesting. But right in the middle of this, it feels like we changed subjects, but we really didn't. Because it's still your strong desires is what causes you to want to go sue a brother. And you don't care where you get to do that. You don't care if it's before an unbelieving court or not. Now that's, I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but that's where we're headed. So there's three things I want to show you in the passage. And, um, and I'll do my best to do them quickly so that you're not here more than another hour or so from now. But here's here are three, three divisions that I see. First, Paul says that lawsuits among the brethren are stupid. Now, he doesn't say the word stupid, but he implies it. So I'm using the word stupid because I have three S's. So that's, you know, Pastor Phil will probably watch this back in South Carolina. He'll see if I have alliteration skills. So I thought, well, I'll do stupid, which is just another form of this ridiculous. They're being foolish. Secondly, he says lawsuits are shameful. And finally, Paul says they raise suspicions or it points to that his suspicions are raised regarding the spiritual state of those who are doing such things alright so let's go we go first to the stupid part stupid portion which is interesting because um, we have a brother in the church that I was in a class with oh probably years ago I won't tell you who he is but he'll probably laugh when I when he hears me say this but it. He, he brought up this point in a men's group like, and I think it was in a Timothy class and um, we, were, we were talking about don't be foolish and um, he, he interrupted the speaker and said you know I'm, uh, I'm more just kind of say it and, and say it in plain English he goes what this is really saying fellas is stop being stupid because you know foolish is a kind word in comparison to being stupid no one wants to be called stupid do they but sometimes we act stupid and in this particular case these people were acting rather foolish and rather stupid the apostle paul doesn't actually use the word stupid as i've already said but the implication is that these people are acting foolishly does any one of you listen to this does any one of you when he has a case against his another or his brother or his neighbor does he dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints there's a couple of things that are going wrong here. You're, you're going against... In effect, Paul's is saying, how can this be? Is it really true that some of you are actually going public with family matters? How many of you air your dirty laundry of what goes on in your household out in the public? I hope none of you. I hope you don't do that. But you dare... To go to law before the unrighteous. That's what they were doing. They're like, I can't settle it with him. I'm not even going to settle it with him. I'm going to court. I'll sue him. I have my rights. Well, doesn't that sound like an American dream? You got your rights. I got a right to give up my rights for the gospel. Oh, huh, that's an interesting thought. So, a couple things I saw here in this first section, these first three verses, and um, it's pretty audaciously bold to go take a family matter, something that can be dealt with within the walls of the church, and take it outside the church to the public, and take it to an unrighteous judge, for him to judge. What right does he have to judge the righteous when he's unrighteous? He doesn't have a right other than what the law itself of the land gives him. But really, do you want him to take up your case? Someone who doesn't even understand what it is to be in Christ or to be in the body of Christ or to be a brother. You know that you're supposed to actually be closer to brothers in Christ than you are your own flesh and blood. I believe that with all my heart. I am closer to some of you men in this room than I was my, than my older brother. I don't even know who my older brother is anymore. Hardly. Can't get him to call me. But you dare to take your case before the unrighteous. That's pretty bold. Now you say, well, but that's how we do it. Well, that's how they did it in Corinth. That's why they were doing it. It was, you know, that going to court to them was kind of, they said in one of the commentaries I was reading, it says it was a form of entertainment. It was so commonplace. It was like, hey, what are we doing Friday night, honey? oh, let's go down and watch the court cases. That ought to be entertaining to watch our brother fight with another brother and how stupid that is. And you go, a form of entertainment? We don't do that. Yes, we do. You got Judge Judy and Judge whoever. I don't know all those craziness. But you got them on all the time. And you know how they stay on? Because people like us watch it. Maybe not like you, and I, I think I've watched a couple of those and thought, well, how stupid is this? but that's unsaved people acting that way this is not how the saved people are supposed to act believers aren't supposed to act this way I mean if you just go to Matthew what does he say if someone sins against you or you see him in a sin go and talk to them you as a brother go and talk to them I'm going to tell you someone outside of this building that came up that wanted to come to me and tell me I got a problem you know how much I'm going to listen to them probably not much Because one of the problems they're going to have with me is if they heard my sermon this morning, they're going to have a problem with what I believe scripturally because they don't believe it. So, But I would probably pay little attention to them. But you as a brother in Christ, if you came to me and said, Larry, I need to talk to you about something, I'm going to listen to you because I think that's the right thing to do. But you know what it says there in Matthew, right? And, And Todd just covered the what we do with an immoral person when they won't confess their sin we have to end up putting them out like a tax collector basically and in Matthew uh, uh, 18 18, 18, 15 through 18 he describes the whole thing you go to them individually if that doesn't work you go to them with another brother well that's what I'm going to suggest you do if you have a problem you go to them with another brother if you can't work it out go to another brother don't go to the court now you put your hands in the judge's hands the only hands I want to be in is the hands of the judge. All right, and, and they did this in an uncaring way. They didn't care about the other person. Think about that. You, you dare to go before the law before the righteous not, and not before the saints. That's crazy. That's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. Uncaring, it's an uncaring thing to do. You don't care about your brother or his testimony or your testimony. You only want what you want regardless of how it hurts somebody else. Oh, the precursor to this sermon that I gave to the first service that I haven't done to you, and I'll do it now because you're very quiet, is this will step on your toes this morning. It stepped on my toes as I studied it. So don't, don't think you're the only one. And I'm not the one stepping on your toes this morning. It's the word of God. So if it steps on your toes, and we all know what it's like to have our toes stepped on, we're like, hey, what are you doing, right? Take it up with God. It's my precursor so you don't get mad at me. All right. And and you take it to the unrighteous. What do they know about anything that you're doing? What do they know about the church? What do they know about your brotherhood with people? They, They don't says, and not before saying Paul is showing his concern that they did not respect the church's authority and ability to settle its own disputes. You don't think the church can help you settle disputes between you and a brother? We do it all the time here at Valley. We were in a preaching team meeting, and, and Bobby was in the meeting, and he goes, Larry, does this happen very often at Valley? Do you, do you actually have to settle disputes between folks? I go, Are you serious? It's Christian life. Now, lawsuit-wise, no. I'm not, I'm not very often I'm dealing with people who have money issues with each other or material items, but it does happen. I think it's probably happened three or four times in the last few years. That does come up, and we have to deal with that. And we're happy to do it. And guess what? I'm not the grand poobar guy that knows everything. I don't even pretend to know everything. But if you come to us and say, this is the struggle I'm having, and it's this business arrangement I have with somebody, you know what? If I don't know what to do with that, there might be another brother within this congregation who knows on business and knows how to deal with that. Why would you take it before a court when you can deal with it personally? Don't be airing the dirty laundry out there. It's just detrimental to the church overall. And we're going to see that later. He says, remember that Christians are members of the body of Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which he reminds him, Paul reminds him of that a little bit later in our passage. Listen to this. Here's what you have when you go to a brother. Here's what you have yourself. This is not what you're going to find in the court. You have all the resources of truth, wisdom, equity, justice, love. Kindness, generosity, and understanding reside in the people of God. Christians are enriched by Him. Christians are lacking no gift. There's no area in your life that God doesn't have somebody with a gift that can help you with that. That's why the body is so incredibly encouraging and such an incredible organism. You know, the body is alive. It's not this stiff. We didn't make an idol and call that our body. No, we're the body. We're moving around. We're ministering to each other. We're worshiping. We worshiped this morning together. What an incredible thing. Now you, you can worship, side. me and Tim can worship side by side and weep over the truth that we sang about this morning, and now I'm going to leave the building two days later decide I'm going to do a lawsuit against him and take him to court. What kind of foolishness is that? stupid kind of foolishness that's what it is keep using that word stupid christians should not take christians to worldly courts when this happens it is confession that the individual does not have the right action or right attitude whoever's taking the other person to court that's the wrong attitude they're more concerned with revenge or gain not unity of the body of jesus christ and that's a problem something I want to point out here and this is we're going to go into this section about ignorance because I think there's definitely some ignorance I had an outrageously bold act that was number one under the title of lawsuits are stupid so an outrageous bold act and then secondly the ignorance is evidenced in their wrong decisions now how do we know they're ignorant well Paul's going to ask them some questions you know how you can find out if people are intelligent ask them questions Like, if you're a mathematician or you're a doctor, I could ask you a question about medical stuff, and I'd find out if you're a very good doctor or not, probably. You'd be like, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, my goodness, what kind of doctor are you? Right? But but listen to this. There are six times in this one chapter that Paul says, do you not know? Six times. We're going to deal with three of them. Tim's going to deal with the other three. Do you not know? Look what he says there. Verse 2, the first section of it. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Wait a minute. You take it to a court system that has nothing to do with the church. They don't know anything about the body of Christ. They don't know anything about Christ himself. And why do you do that? Because you're afraid that, that maybe you won't get judged properly by somebody else, I guess. I, that was the only reason I could think of. But look, he says, don't you know that you're going to judge the world? Christians, individuals, people that are the body of Christ are going to judge the world eventually. In the eschatological thing that is coming we will judge the world. And then what's his second one? It's in verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Oh my goodness. You're going to judge angels. Is that crazy? Hello? I said I wasn't going to do that, but if you're going to be so quiet, I'm going to have to start yelling at you. Do you not know the saints will judge the world? Paul is referring to the passages of Scripture where he We are clearly told that when the Lord returns, the saints are going to share the throne of judgment with him. Look at Revelation 2, 20. You don't have to look at it. I'll read it to you. Revelation 2, 26, 27. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. You nations make up the world, right? You got that, right? I will give him authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron oh my goodness as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my father you're going to judge the world and you don't think you can judge these puny little things that are going on in your life well he owes me a hundred dollars and he didn't pay it back I got rights well good luck to you that's silly Paul then takes it a little further when he says that you will judge the angels. Think about this. We will judge angels. Now, that doesn't, I don't think this means that we're going to judge. What happened? Judge the fallen angels. I don't think that takes place because the Lord is the one that does that. But the, the, another term for, for judge, the, the word used for judges is krino, the Greek word. It, it also can mean to rule or govern. So us who are less than angels, according to Scripture, when we get to heaven, we're going to actually rule them. That's crazy. But we're going to get a new body and a new mind and all those types of things, and we're going to be able to make decisions without sin. So. And, and think about judging angels. They, they're not condemned. So how do you judge them? I mean, you know, But now listen, we're all judging all the time. You guys are all judging me now, aren't you? You think you're listening, but you're judging every word I say. You're judging how long the clock will run before I shut up. It's going to run as long until I get done. What he's really saying is it not rather ridiculous, foolish, stupid that you people who are going to judge the world and angels cannot settle minor squabbles among yourselves in the church? Is, it is like having an engineer who has a great mind for mathematics so that he can calculate difficult equations for engineering process who requires the help of a grammar school student because he can't balance his checkbook that's what you're doing you have all of this stuff available to you to be able to, to deal with things and get it done inwardly and you're going to the outside who does not understand at all who you are or what you are in Christ that's what they're doing and he says that doesn't he, he says if the world is judged by you if the, in other words come on this is very satirical like Paul's being funny tongue in cheek type thing if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute what needs to be done in a small matter? In the smallest law court? How, how much more matters of this life, he says? If you're to judge angels, how much more matters of this life? And I've seen it I've seen it so many times in the church where somebody has some issue that could be a lawsuit issue and you end up putting those two brothers together. You guys need to talk about this. Don't talk to me about it. Talk to each other about it and you know a day later I see them and they're like arm in arm things worked out great that's what happens when you do it God's way that's what happens when you do it God's way second part Laws lawsuits are, are shameful they're absolutely shameful so if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life do you appoint them as judges who are, no, who are of no account to the church do you want them coming in here and telling us what to do No. It's one of the beautiful things about America is the separation of us and them. They tell us enough what to do, but not in the church. I say to you, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brother and something that is very interesting. Lawsuits are shameful because they stoop to a lower court or a lower level of judgment as far as Christians are concerned. You by not dealing with it in the church, you're going lower. You're going below what you should be to try and get somebody to rule in your favor. That's what you do, that's why you take this to the courts. You want somebody to rule in your favor. The secular judges have no understanding of the relationship between Christians. No concept of the fatherhood of God. And therefore, why in the world would you take family matters? Why would you take family matters before someone who is not a family member? My wife was in the first service, and I used her and me as an illustration. Now she's not here, I can really use her as an illustration. (laughs) But if we were squabbling over something and disagreed on something... I don't think I would go to my neighbor and have them come and judge what we should do. I don't. I won't say I don't think. I would never go to my neighbor and ask them what I should do. You know that in this church, I've had calls. I had a call one time from a lady, and she was so broken up on the phone, I didn't understand a word she was saying. I didn't know who it was. All she could do was cry. And... When I finally was able to see her settle down and where I could understand her, she began to tell me that her husband had just served her with divorce papers. Now these are two believers in Christ. They hadn't even talked about a divorce. He was at home with her, he was out watering the lawn when she gets served the papers. Can you imagine? Yeah, that happened. Now, I talked to both of them in a very passionate way, and they ended up being okay, but it was kind of crazy, to say the least. But that's what this kind of reminds me of. Like, you won't talk to your brother, but you'll just sue him in court. Like, if you can if you can talk to a brother that has the same father as you, you should be able to work it out. So, I'm just very amazed when people take their, their uh, dirty laundry and air it out in front of everybody. And and you know what happens all the time in the church? We call it gossip. That's what it really is. Where, well, I'm going to tell you this because you need to pray about this. <laughs> I like that one. Well, I know you're a person of prayer, so I'm going to tell you what Joe Dirt over here has been doing. He's been doing dirt, all right? So you start telling him, like, wait, wait, and, and he did this against me, and he did that, and he like, did you talk to Joe Dirt yet? That's why I always like to send people back to wherever they came from. I like to grab their hand and say, I can tell you how we can fix this. Let me take your hand. Come here. You have a problem with uh, Tim or, or uh, I'll say Edu. If you have a problem with Edu, it's a big problem. All right. So you had a problem with him, and you're telling me all about what Edu's done to you. I'm going to grab you by the hand and go, hey, let's go talk to Edu. Because that's where it's going to get fixed. That's the, the elementary level of it. Maybe Edu doesn't even know he's done anything wrong. But in this case, I'm feeling like they both have a a problem. So I say this to your shame. It is shameful that they are admitting that there is no one among them that is wise enough to settle their disputes. They don't think anyone in the church can help them with that. Well, that's denying the power of the Holy Spirit to help you with it. Because God uses other people sometimes to speak wisdom to us, doesn't he? I hope that's what we're doing this morning. In effect, what we do is we select men among the church who are wise to help settle disputes. This is much better than going before a worldly court. It's a lot cheaper than going to a worldly court too, just so you know. Brother against brother before the unbelievers, it's an anomaly. It should never happen. It should never happen. Now I'm, real quick, just so I can want to make sure I cross this. I'm not talking about criminal cases. We have a law system here that deals with criminal cases. You have an attorney general or somebody like that, that district attorney that sets up and says, this is a crime against the laws of California. It's a criminal act. They're gonna take you to court, okay? We have one famous case of criminal court, uh, the O.J. Simpson trial, where he was declared innocent by a jury of his peers. So that was a criminal case. Then he was turned around and sued by the family in a civil case and lost that case. So I don't know how that worked, but it did. But that's the one famous one that I can think of. They they probably, if it hadn't been a criminal case, they would have just dealt with it in civil court, right? But because that is, and most of the things that we're talking about are just civil matters. They're smaller incidents, They're not someone has broken into your home and stole all your stuff and you want it back. You know, that's different. This is stuff that is really minor things that you should be able to work out. So, um, it's shameful when we we do this to brothers. Verse 7a, and you are shamefully defeated by a lawsuit. Did you know that? When you take somebody, you're already defeated. That's what he says. Doesn't Is That what yours says is what mine says. Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. How in the world can that be true? To have a lawsuit at all between one another is a defeat to you. Watch this. No matter who wins the lawsuit, the gospel is still going to suffer. Because you're doing this before the world. Your testimony will suffer. The church will suffer. The gospel itself suffers. Because people are going to say to us and to you, they're going to like, well, wait a minute. You say you're a Christian and you love each other and here you are suing each other? You, you can't get that settled? You got to go to court? Nah, what you got, we don't want. Right? I wrote it down. You Christians are no better than we are. That's what the world's going to say to you when they see you taking your brother to court. You know, listen to this. I read a story while I was preparing for this of two organizations in the United States who were giving Bibles out to poor countries, and they were smuggling Bibles into China. They got in some kind of fight and ended up suing each other and being in court. Now, see, you moaned right then, because that's a big organization. But we do the same thing But they did that and I, and I couldn't help but think They probably should have read the bibles they were trying to hand out Amen As far as the cause of the gospel is concerned it has already been degraded in the eyes of the watching world By the time you get to court I, Let me tell you something you don't go to court but what you don't tell a bunch of people about it You never keep that quiet even if you're being taken to court, you tell everybody, I've got to go to court. Somebody's suing me, whatever. You ever been sued before? Anybody? I have. I got sued in small claims court. A lot of fun. Just wonderful time. Went into that court. And here's the deal I, I keep telling you is uh, deal with it with your brother. Deal with it one-on-one. Talk to them. Get that figured out. Even in a lawsuit circumstance. You can get it figured out between the two of you and settle that before you even have to include a brother in it. Okay, but this is what happens. I go to court with these people, and they tell their side to the judge. And so now it's my turn because I'm the one that's being, you know, accused. So I'm telling the judge my end of this thing, and they start yelling at me in court. And this, you know, this gavel thing happened that, and it's amazing how they slam that thing down. Everybody gets quiet but they did and he said listen ma'am you don't get to talk to him now you don't get to talk to him because if you could have talked to Mr. Howard we wouldn't be here right now and then here's it's selfish it's just It's the power wisdom and work of God When you try to get what your rights are before the world, you are saying God can't give you what you need. That's what you're saying. Can't God take care of you? Hello? Don't you trust that God can take care of you? So if somebody owes you $500 and they haven't paid you, you got to take them to a lawsuit? Huh. Let's find the resolution here. Listen to this. 7b through 8 why not rather be wronged why not rather be defrauded and then he says on the contrary you yourselves wrong and defraud you do this even to your brethren it gets really quiet in here what paul's suggesting here is that there is there's these matters that are brought for settlement can all cannot all be that big and important i mean consider the damage and injury that would be done by bringing them to the secular court to settle when you're thinking well he owes me 500 dollars and i'm going to get it and i have the right to get that and i have hey you taking that brother is going to cause so much more damage before the world than the $500. Why not rather be wronged? You know what? I think when you do these kinds of things, I have know of men in this room that have done it where they let things go. Uh, I had the one time I was building a home and I had a guy that had worked for me, a Christian man, and he had worked for me for multiple years. He gave me a, what we would call a bid price, a solid price on, on doing a phase of the work. And the work did not change it was the same work. It took him longer than he had anticipated. But he came and his bill was half again what he told me. And um, that didn't sit real well with me. So I kind of challenged him a little bit, and he had these reasons, and I'm saying, and finally, you know, I think the Lord just gave it to me, because I wanted my money. trust me, I didn't want to pay more than I had been told. But I said this to him, I said, "You know what? Just give me your bill, I'll pay you the check. I'll write it out for the amount that you need, because I would hate for you to think that I tried to cheat you out of it. I, I would never do that. I would rather pay you and be evened up with you in your own mind and mind." Now I knew that he gave me a price for 1,000 and wanted 1,500. But it was let me tell you something. It wasn't 1,000 and 1500, it was 10,000 and 15,000. OK? But God gave me the right... Because he's a Christian brother. I'm like, you need the money, apparently. I have the money. Okay, let's go forward. Now listen, don't ask me for a loan. Because <laughs> I may not do that with you. But that's what my thoughts were at that point. I'm reminded of a story that I read a while back. And I want to I use it real quick. It was Dr. Ironside, Dr. Harry Ironside. And uh, he had an experience as an eight-year-old boy with an issue like this. His mother took him to a meeting... Now, I'm going to pretty much read this so I don't mess it up. He says, his mother took him to a meeting of the brethren who were discussing some kind of difficulty among themselves. But you know what they were doing, right? They were discussing it among themselves, which I did like this part. But listen to this. Evidently, there was some terrible injustice that one felt others had done. Young Dr. Ironside did not know or could not recall what the trouble was, but it was clear that they were deeply disturbed. He said that one man stood up and shook his fist and said, I don't care what the rest of you do I want my rights that's all I just want my rights there was an old half deaf Scottish brother sitting in the front row and he cupped his hand behind his ear and asked this man aye brother what's that ye say and the fellow said well all I said was that I want my rights that's all the old man said this your rights brother Is that what you want? Your rights? Why, the Lord Jesus didn't come to get his rights. He came to get his wrongs. And he got them. Dr. Ironside said, I'll always remember how that fellow stood transfixed for a little while. Then he dropped his head and said, You're right, brother. You are right. Settle it any way you like. And in a few moments, the whole thing was settled. What we should never forget is that as believers, we are called to demonstrate a different lifestyle before the world. One in which we are ready to surrender personal rights for the cause that we serve. There is nothing more characteristic of a believer than his willingness to surrender even at his own cost, even at his own hurt, some personal rights so that the cause of the gospel may prevail. Oh boy, that clock, I swear it runs double time. Lawsuits raise suspicion about the spiritual state of those involved. Really quickly, verses 9, 10, and 11. Let me read them and I'll walk through them as fast as I can. Or do you not know that, or do you not know? Here's another, or do you not know? That the unrighteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is tied back to verse eight. I think it ties back in. On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. Do you not know that the unrighteous one, because your action is unrighteous you're going after a brother in court you're trying to get his money or you're trying to get something that's your rights supposedly do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God and then look do not be deceived do not be deceived here this morning if you're living in one of these lifestyles we're about to talk about and you tell me you're a Christian and you continue to live in this lifestyle don't be deceived The unrighteous will not receive the kingdom of God. Now, I am not in any way, and neither is Paul, saying there's something that you can do once you're saved to lose your salvation. That is not possible. There's no passage that states that. None. And he's definitely not stating it here. What he's talking about is if you say you're saved, but you continue to do this, you've never been saved. Not you lose your salvation, you just never were saved. What is it that he says? Listen to this, it's the nasty nine. There's a whole lot more sins that will keep you out of heaven than these. But listen to them. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, that's the sexually immoral that are not married, any sexual act you're doing outside of marriage, you're fornicating. Young single people in the room. Nor idolaters, and we are a society of idolaters. Adulterers, which is sex outside of your marriage, effeminate or homosexuals, thieves, nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your lifestyle, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Because when God saves you, he saves you out of that lifestyle. He brings you out of it. And so that's incredible. He says, you yourselves wrong and or you do not know that they're unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He ties that together. Look, when you aggressively defend your own rights at the cost of another brother before a secular court, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. You got the wrong attitude. Have you yourself ever been justified before God? That's the question you have to ask yourself. If you're doing one of these sins and you continue to do one of these sins and you think it's okay, you got to ask yourself the question, have I ever truly been justified? And I'm going to tell you, if you can do it and feel like there's nothing wrong with it, you had never been justified. And I have definitions for every one of those categories. I just don't have time to walk through them. But the Lord had me type them up. So if you want a copy of them, let us know. But look at this. Here's the point I want to get to. I love this section. Well, I have to say this to you because it's the applicational stuff. Why do you keep living like the unsaved or the unrighteous? Why do you keep falling back into the old lifestyle you've had before Christ saved you? Why are you following the old standards and having old selfish ungodly motives? You are to be separated from the world and its ways not following after them stop being conformed to the world stop you're being sold a line if you think these things are okay before god they're not they'll keep you out of the kingdom quit being deceived satan is a deceiver he's designed a system that deceives stop Romans 12 1 2, and 2 Corinthians 5 7, You are a new creation. You, instead of being conformed to the world, you're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it says in Romans that Christ is the one who transforms you Amen. through the work of the Holy Spirit. The guy I think that got transformed really well was Zacchaeus. Remembering Zacchaeus was a tax collector and hid up in the tree? Because he was shorter in stature, couldn't see Christ. So he ran up a tree so he could look at him. We all remember the little song we sang in Sunday school, probably. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord to see. Okay, that's, that's what happened. But when he met with the Lord, he got saved. How do we know he got saved? Because his outward change was so evident. The inward went outward. So don't tell me, I got saved And I'm a homosexual, and I'm just going to keep on practicing it. Nope, doesn't work. Doesn't work, won't work for you. I've always been a cheater on my wife. I got saved to just keep on doing it. Nope, doesn't work. You're not saved if you keep doing that. Proof that you're saved is we have this inward thing that happens to you that affects the outward thing. So you have this inward change, and what does Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, and let me tell you something. Tax collectors don't always collect taxes right. And especially in this day, they were wicked and evil. They were their own people. They were contractors, basically. Anything they could get above what the government wanted, they got to keep. Not a good system. But what did he do? He began to repay those from whom he had stolen. And he repaid them not only the amount he had stolen, but four times the amount oh my goodness it changed his whole life his attitude changed so completely that his behavior began to alter almost immediately and you won't find any theologian that argues whether or not Zacchaeus was truly changed that day it was obvious by his actions he stopped doing stealing money from people and he started giving back to the people he had stolen from those of you who had a life of thievery, you might want to consider that, especially if you stole anything from me. <laughs> oh, let's move. Okay, so I love the line, such for some of you. It's so important. Listen, it's not an exclusive list. There's other sins that can keep you out of heaven, but these are, like I said, these are like the nasty nine. I think there is nine of them. I didn't really count them, but I said that. But they are there, and you can see them, and if you're stuck in that lifestyle, you might want to take a look at yourself. You may want to consider... Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and putting faith in him. Because he says this. Here we go. This is my, uh, I wanted to get to hear. Such were some of you. And then there's this little three-letter word. And it comes up three times in a row. And it's this word, but. But. You, some of you were this way. But. But. But that's, we're fixing to change direction. It's a contrasting word. You were doing this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. But you were justified. Oh my goodness, but he stepped in. But God says, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to wash you. You were washed, and that speaks of new life. There was a regeneration that took place in Jesus Christ. And, you know, I remember taking a bath as a little boy, and my mom would say, Now, Larry, did you wash behind your ears? And I'd say, Well, yeah, I did that, Mom. I hadn't. I lied. She'd say, Son, I'm going to come and check. And if you didn't wash behind those ears, I'm going to have to wash behind those ears. And she would come in and she'd scrub me up. And be like, man, I'm gonna wash them next time because I didn't have no skin left when she'd get done. But that's what God did. He found you in a dirty, he found you in a dirty condition, and he says, I'm gonna wash you, I'm gonna regenerate you, I'm gonna turn you into something you can never be without me. And he says, He says this He saved, Jesus saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. He, but the washing of the regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, this is in Titus 3 if you look at it. And then he says this, regeneration is God's work of recreating. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. If you're still in the old things, it doesn't fit. The old things are supposed to go away. Oh. The old things Behold, new things have come. I no longer can do the things I used to do. I'm a child of the King. The Holy Spirit will not let me do the things I used to do. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. When a person is washed by Christ, he is born again. John 3 3 through 8. I don't have time to read it. Listen to this. You're sanctified. Speaks of a new behavior. The Holy Spirit began to speak to you about the need to change your attitude and your behavior. Sin's total domination, its total domination, is broken, it is obliterated, and is replaced by a life of holiness. If you're not living a holy life, if you're not attempting to live in your own power, you can't do it by yourself. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that the Lord of all peace is the one who sanctifies. But believe me, positionally, you're already seen as righteous because you have the righteousness of Christ on you. You put on a new coat. He bathed you in his righteousness. He imputed it to you. You can't get away from it. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. Speaks of new standing before God. I was going to hell, now I'm in heaven. I was was an enemy of God, now I'm a family member. You're a family member today. Why would you take your cases before the ungodly when you have the God of the universe saying, I'll be the judge over you. I will make sure you get treated properly. Why not be wronged? Why not be defrauded if it furthers who he is? Let me tell you something. That money that I paid that guy, I never missed it. You know, I would have just spent it going to Disneyland or something silly like that anyway. But you know what happened? God replaced it more and more and more. And and listen, the last time I saw the guy, I gave him a hug i used him again on other jobs it wasn't like i just completely said i can't have anything to do with you no no i treated him like i would treat my brother i treated him like and you know who i learned that from other brothers other brothers that have shown me the same thing my, i would say this about my brother martin and you guys most of you don't know him christian man up in the idaho lean bible studies this man and i know i'm his fleshly brother so it's unfair But you see the coat I have on and all this is a custom made for Larry Howard kind of coat. Starting to fit me better all the time. If I went to my brother who didn't have a coat, he had a holy shirt on and he saw me and I said, bub, I really need your shirt. He'd take it off and give it to me. Because he cares more about others than himself. Oh, aren't we commanded? What does it say they'll know us by By how many times we take a brother to court? No, No, by how we love each other. Right? So, don't be taking people to court. Being justified speaks of that new standing in Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness. Listen to what Romans 4 says. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for your sake also. Abraham believed and it was credited to him for righteousness, that he put faith in in God. So along we come and we say, wait a minute, if it worked for Abraham, it might work for us. And God says it will work for you if you put faith in me. And so here we go. But for your sake also, to whom it will be credited, it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification wow you've been justified this morning if you place faith in Jesus Christ you've been washed you've been sanctified why would you live any other way don't go backwards go forward look if you struggle with one of those sins and you slip into it now and then and you come back out of it okay okay Keep on the pathway. Keep on the pathway. Get alone by yourself with the Lord and ask him to take away the desire that you have for those things. He will do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being the justifier. I thank you for the time you've given us this morning. I pray you'll bless us. I pray that this message um, will make us stop and think. I certainly has made me stop and think about some areas in my life that I just got to make sure I'm doing them the right way, that's all. Along with your help, I think I can get there. <laughs> what, a, what a thing. I think anybody in the room with your help can get there. So we say thank you for that. And uh, we say thank you for this morning. Bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen.